Welcome back, everybody. Lights Out Podcast fan members, uh, magistrates, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for paying attention again. Doing our deep dives, my favorite thing to do. Um, and, you know, you can say, a lot of people say 50 Fight Club member, not 50 Fight Club. This guy has had 50 fights. This dude has a very extensive amateur background. Um, and not only that, amateur football, you can call it amateur. It was college football, one of the best football playing um, programs in the world by far. Uh, just a great UFC fighter, looking fantastic in his last few fights. Uh, great friend of the show, Eric Anders. Eric, how you doing, brother? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Just, uh, you know, just getting in from training. Uh, thank you guys for having me. And where were you training at? <laughs> I'm down here in Brazil in uh, Santos. It's in uh, Sao Paulo. And uh, just did a little jujitsu, some light rolls, and, uh, you know, just get a sweat, keep it moving, keep it, uh, you know, I don't like to get stagnant in between fights, but, you know, sure. I'm not training very hard. But, uh, you know, just, you know, just um, keeping the cardio right, uh, keeping my weight down and uh, sweating a little bit. You look great your last fight, by the way, man. How do you feel? You feel, you feel good? You feel as good as you look? Yeah, you know, I I uh I think I fight better at middleweight. I prefer middleweight. You know, this was a this was a rematch from a middleweight fight with the, you know Darren Stewart, who I fought and wanted to fight at uh, light heavyweight this time. So you know, um, I you know I got to got the fight rule to no contest, so I felt I owed him a little bit. So uh, you know, okay, whatever. The weight really doesn't matter, but I prefer middleweight. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, Eric. Um, like where you're at in your career, you're obviously a fan favorite. You've headlined, you know, a UFC in the past. But I'd like to kind of bring things back to your first fight. Your first recorded bout is January 28, 2012, an AXC against Kevin Tidwell. Was that your actual first fight, or was there something no, before that? Nah, I, I um, I had my first two fights actually in the same night, uh, probably just a month after training. You know, um, the first gym that I walked into, you know, I wouldn't advise anybody go to that gym or train with that coach ever. Um, <laughs> you know, to, to me, that's like you couldn't be any more incompetent than, to, okay, you've only been training a month, go fight. Yeah, sure. And then he didn't even show up to the fight. So, you know, I was, uh, you know, in the locker room, I was like, damn, I don't have a coach. I don't got nobody here to rub my hands. So I asked just to. Another fighter who was fighting after me, I was like, hey, you know, this first fight's a boxing match. The second fight's an MMA fight. Do you, uh, you know, you don't even have to tell me anything. I just need someone to, like, hold the stool there and, uh, you know, give me some water. And uh, at first he said no. So I was just like, all right, whatever. I guess I'll just lean up against the ropes in between rounds. And uh, But then right before the fight started, he came out there and, and you know, did his part. You know, came out there, cornered me. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I – I wouldn't advise anybody fighting uh, <laughs> after just a month of training. You don't even know. I didn't know how to throw a punch. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was just, you know, in there surviving. And you know, How old were you? Like, how old were you, though? Uh, I was 24. You know, this was after college. You know, so, you know, I was, um, you know, still a pretty good athlete. But at the same time, you know, this Fighting isn't a pickup game of basketball. I mean, you can't just go out there and shoot, you know. Um, but that's that's exactly what I did, you know. Um, hey, Eric, that's a very I'm, old school way of doing it, man. That's how it used to be. We had Nick Thompson on. He, he goes and trains for a week and, and goes and has a couple of fights. But he goes like one and three. Because, and these are pro fights because he's fighting killers. Uh, but, I mean, so that's an old school way of doing it. But uh, can you tell me, like, what was your – 
I talked about your, your background. What got you into fighting? You know, I mean, that was Mike. What was your first fight? What got you into the sport to begin with? Um, man, I just uh, found myself being frustrated. Uh, you know, I um, played college ball, won a national championship, and within a year or about maybe a year and a half after that last game, I was done with football. You know, um, I was living back in Tuscaloosa. You know, uh, cleaning factories, cleaning toilets, you know, working as a janitor. And I just found myself being super frustrated that, you know, I was doing this with a college degree in the same town that I had just won a national championship in, you know, less than 18 months prior. And uh, wow. I just did not think that this was how, you know, uh, it was going like, to turn out. You know, every, every, every player knows that the NFL – even if you do make it, there's a small chance and a very small percentage that uh, you, you play for a long time. So, you know, I was cool with football being over with, but I just did not expect to uh, be doing the kind of stuff that I was doing, um, you know, uh, especially with the college degree. Because back then, everybody was like, get a degree, get a degree, get a degree, plan for life after, uh, after football or whatever. So I thought I did that. And, you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back is man, I, I would go to these lunches uh, with these executives and, and CEOs of these companies or whatnot, you know, and they would tell me it would be a job interview. And I was like, cool. And then, you know, they would come in. The, we'd spend like two hours talking about Nick Saban and Mark Ingram. And in my head, I'd be like, oh, man, this is, this is what it's supposed to be, you know. And um, then at the end, they'd be like, no, nah, uh, you know, we don't have any job openings or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So um, I, I needed to blow off some steam, man. I found myself, you know, being a pretty, you know, up, you know, upset all the time, fighting all the time, you know, in bars, outside of bars. And, you know, I just – and I already had a son, so I was like, man, I'm going to get myself in trouble or get hurt, you know, whatever. So let me go to a gym so I can put all this frustration into, uh, you know, into a heavy bag. Or into some jujitsu or whatever, and uh, man, probably month, a month after that, I had my first fight. All right. So the crazy part is, and Eric is like a pure athlete, like it's USDA grade A friggin' athlete. Like the guy walks in, you're like, yeah, he's doing he's doing something professional. <laughs> and then you watch his first fight. He's in shin pads. It's, a, it's an amateur bout, so they got him in shin pants against this guy, Kevin Tidwell. I honestly, I like, I almost didn't want to watch him because I'm like, man, this is, someone's going to die. Like, this is, this is like where the train goes off the tracks. Was it difficult for you? Because you, you played football at the highest levels, obviously, of college ball and, you know, a little bit in the, in the NFL. Was it difficult for you to kind of start at the bottom again in a new sport? Uh, no, not really, because I, I, you know, I, you know, this my first experience with sparring was Walt Harris, and you know, I, I walk in the coat, I walk in the gym, and uh, you know, the coach again incompetent, asking a 24 year old male, you know, who just got done playing football, uh, if he could fight, yes, I, yes, I can fight. Of course, I can fight. You know, I thought I could fight until I fought somebody who knew how to fight. And then for me, oh, we're getting I to realized, we're getting to that. that. <laughs> we're getting yeah. to that one. But then I then I realized, like, dude, I don't know how to fight. I can't fight. You know, these aren't just bozos in the street. You know, um, so like I understand like, that that day. But that's when I fell in love with the sport. I was like, okay, you know, this is an opportunity for me to learn something to uh, 
you know, it, it was just fun for me. I got beat up, but man, I had such a good time. It was such a rush. Um, and I was like, dude, I don't even know how to fight. I don't even know what I'm doing. I have no idea what's going on. Um, I spent probably four minutes and 50 seconds of a five minute round in the corner, you know, with my arm full of my head, you know, getting beat up in the nicest way possible for Paul Harris. And uh, man, I fell in love with the sport right then and there. And uh, I, I knew that I would have to work, you know, hard. You know, I'm a workhorse, you know. So on your second oh. fight, that I saw your second recorded foul was on Cage Wars Five against Jake Reeves. You knocked him out in the first round. You actually looked really comfortable on the ground. I mean, and it's you know a few months after you you started training, but your ground game looks you know pretty tight at that point in time. Well, you know, I uh, I wrestled a little bit growing up, so like I had no idea what I was doing on my feet. You know, uh, so. My main goal was just to grab people, get them on the ground, and then, you know, pound them out. But actually, that Jake Reeves fight, man, that was probably like my seventh or eighth fight, you know. Um, <laughs> I fought a couple times. Um, no wonder it looked comfortable. You know, before Jake. And uh, so, so, yeah, you know, it was uh, a little bit later uh, in, my, in my amateur career. You know, I lost my third fight. You know, I got beat up pretty good. From a guy, his name's uh, Justin Patterson, I believe. He 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 went. He ended up going and fighting for Bellator uh, a few times, and um, yeah, he beat me up pretty good. But uh, I think I went two and one my first one, or my first few fights, and then uh, man, you know, I just uh, those first few fights, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I lacked in, and then, you know, so it's all kind of a, a learning experience uh, for me, so and still is. So with your bout against Justin Patterson, like, was that just kind of like you realized, did anyone have the conversation with you? Like, maybe you got to take this a little bit more serious because obviously before this time, things were kind of coming pretty easy for you. Well, man, I, I was always pretty dedicated. Uh, I knew that this was what I wanted to do because I knew that, like, doing nine to five, sitting at a desk, it was never going to suit me. Um, so I, you know, I work, I train in the morning work all day, go, go train again. So I mean, I've always worked pretty diligently and hard. Um, I just didn't have the coaching. So I didn't know what I didn't know, uh, if that makes sense. Um, when did that just go ahead? No, I was just going to say, so at this point, you're still at that same gym you talked about. I mean, how long were you at this gym? Man, I was there for about two years. And uh, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, just, there's really nothing here. There was nothing really in Birmingham. And uh, really the straw that broke the camel's back for me. Like, I already knew that, like, we never drilled any ground game. We never drilled takedowns. We never drilled <laughs> anything, any kind of attached fighting, you know? Wow. Yeah, you know? So so I'd get in the fight, and the whole fight would be wrestling, you know? So I would go do jujitsu elsewhere and, and, you know, whatever. But, um, uh, you know, we were drilling one day, and I finally asked a question. And I was like, hey, you know, how, how do I get out of a triangle? And the coach, his explanation was just don't get in it. And I'm like, well, that ain't gonna work for me because I'm not just gonna mm -hmm. ask this dude to put me in a triangle. I'm not gonna invite it, you know. But all my fights, I'm, you know, I'm on top. I'm, they're on the ground, you know, um, for the most part. So, like, I need to know how to how to how to grapple and defend submissions and whatnot. When he said that, I was like, man, I'm out of here. And uh, <laughs> that's about when I started training with uh, Chris Conley at Spartan Fitness.
All right, so, um, like, for instance, you're fighting against Justin Patterson, your first loss, which, man, it's super important. Like, you, you kind of see what a person's made of. You know, you get that loss, no. and either, you know, you go, you quit, or you, you, you push yourself forward. So that was about five hours away. Was that your first airplane ride to a flight? Or to a fight, oh, I should man. say? Nah, baby, we drove. We drove about six hours to New Orleans. That was my first time cutting weight. That was my first time fighting Ooh. at 205. And, uh, man, again, like, <laughs> I didn't know anything, and neither did the people who were my supposed, my alleged <laughs> coaches. So, man, I cut this weight. I cut this weight to 205, and the only thing that I could think about was drinking. So, man, I was drinking, 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 but I didn't eat anything. You know, I didn't eat very much. I had like a like a bowl of rice. They had like some gumbo, some you know, some uh, some, uh, some Louisiana, some Louisiana food. So I ate like a bowl of rice and probably like three gallons of water. And so, man, I'm talking about the first, the next day, I just didn't feel right. Like I always go for a run, and you know, that was kind of like my way of uh, seeing how my body felt. It's like, okay, I'm a little tired. Maybe I need to do this, or I need to pace the fight, or whatever, whatever, whatever. And, uh, man, I was just tired and lethargic all day. And, you know, the first clinch exchange, man, I just felt everything burning, you know. You know, you don't have any nutrients uh, in your body, so you don't have any energy. And uh, so, long story short, thank God it was three minutes, uh, three three-minute rounds. It was three five-minute rounds, uh, you know. But it might as well have been a pro fight because, man, I was getting eaten in the face, you know. I was Like, it was. You know, there was like the only thing that I didn't get hit with was an elbow, probably. And um, but there was no quit, like, and that was a long ass drive home too, like six hours with a busted <laughs> nose, and, and you get beat up pretty good. You know, you feel like shit. Um, but you know, the the it never crossed my mind that I was gonna quit. You know, I didn't think that I would have my first loss within my first three fights, but. You know, this is the nature of the game that we play. It's like, okay, you know, it's an amateur fight. Uh, when I turn pro, it's 0-0 again. So, you know, that's why I had so many amateur fights because, one, I fought for two years under an incompetent coach who, man, he would sign me up to fight every other weekend. <laughs> and, oh, so that wasn't your choice. That was his. Well, you know, I can't really put it all on him because, man, I was making, like, decent money off sponsorships and stuff. So I was like, hell, yeah, I fight, I get money. So um, I was like, okay. But, you know, I think a coach needs to be there to save the fighter from himself, you know. Cause, oh, yeah. You know, somebody who's a fighter, of course, if you offer him a fight, they're like, hell, yeah, I'm a fighter, you know, whatever. At least that's the way I was. I was like, okay. Whatever. Real fighters fight. do. That's how real yeah. fighters want to fight everybody. You know? And uh, but I but I wish somebody would have been there, like, hey man, no, you just fought last week, you know. Let's watch the film. This is what you didn't do good. Let's work on this. Let's develop because it's not possible to get better in two weeks. Uh, I think you know um, you can't fight and then go out there, go out there two weeks later and expect to not make the same mistakes. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Now, you, you said yep. that, you know, you wrestled a little bit. Is that correct? Yep, yep. I got JV-level experience wrestling. I mean, but <laughs> did you ever cut weight back then when you were wrestling back in high school? Um, I, I cut weight one time, and uh, it was almost like the exact same experience that I had. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, with that Justin Patterson fight. So I never yeah. cut weight again. I walked around at like 174 and wrestled at 171 and 172 yeah. or something like that. So uh, do you think it's like, I mean, to me, a lot of the guys who fight have had a huge wrestling background and cutting weight second nature to them. I mean, did you feel like that was a big uh, obstacle for you? Because one, until you learn how to cut weight, it's a terrible experience. You're never going to fight good, I don't think. Um, you know, they, they used to suck really bad. And um, I always felt like I was at a, uh, an experience and skill disadvantage, uh, especially as a professional, because some of these guys grew up doing Muay Thai or boxing or, you know, uh, black belt in jiu-jitsu or whatever. So I just feel like if I was the bigger, stronger guy, at least I had an advantage in one area of the uh, competition. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but man, they, they used to suck, especially when I was an amateur. Cause you know, I would do, you know, I'd be like 215 with like 10% body fat and then try to cut to, to, to 185 the, the week of the fight, you know, just by not eating or, and running uh, all day, you know, that kind of, you know, the old, the old super old school and um but even you know i was doing too much i feel like i was doing too much this last fight when i fought Darren stewart at 85 was the easiest fight the easiest cut i ever had and uh you know i changed camps again and i started training fight ready and i was telling eddie chaw uh santino defranco and uh chad Nike, the strength and conditioning coach you know how i usually you know my my, my routine to get to 185 and they're like man you're doing too much. You know, like, there's no way your body can sustain that. You know, I was yeah. running like 35, 40 miles a week. Uh, well, let me, to, you know, Eric, Eric, at this point, Eric's nickname is the Savage. And it's probably one of those things that's earned in training because you know, you watch your, your, your Instagram, you're always, always training. Like, you're always training. Yeah, you know, like I said, I I, I, knew, I always knew, like, I wanted to do this. I always knew I wanted to go fight at the highest level. But I also knew that I was going to be at a skill disadvantage. Like I was saying earlier, like, these guys, they're not coming from football, man. These guys are coming yeah. from jiu-jitsu. They're coming from boxing. They're coming from Muay Thai or kickboxing or karate or whatever. So um, I was trying to play catch-up uh, pretty much early on in my career. Now, did you ever did you ever consider leaving maybe Alabama or the area? Because I mean, to me, I think a, a guy if you did that football program for four years, you experienced you know coaching and direction and everything that you felt immediately. Oh shit, I'm lacking that. You had that already at the highest level. Well, you know, did you think about maybe going somewhere else to, to get that quit, or, or or were you determined to stay at home? Super job. Man, I, I I I traveled and trained a lot of places, but man, I uh, I had my my first son when I was in college, and his mom and I are not together. And you know, she's from Alabama; she ain't never gonna leave Alabama. And I think that me being a father to my son was more important than anything that I ever wanted to achieve uh, in life. So you know, I I tried to to make it work and make it happen in Alabama, but. Um, you know, even these these past two fights, I've gone out to uh, Arizona for a fight camp. So you know, I'm gone for you know eight nine weeks at a time, and then I'm home for the for the you know when I'm not training. So um, maybe I should have done that uh, earlier on in my career. But um, at the same time, man, I still made it. I still got there. You know, I still got plenty of time and left and fight left in me. So you know, I don't think it's too late, um, especially if you look at the 
you know, the skills that I've gained from my last fight to, you know, the, the fight before that, you know, I feel like and look like uh, a totally different fighter. So, you know. Um, okay. Well, yeah. So nothing, hold on, nothing but respect for that, man. I, I got to appreciate you staying home like that. I always stayed at home in Indy, same, you know, I had wife and kids. I'm like, I wasn't willing to up and move. So. I got to respect that. Now you're in the position where you go take away for a few months and, and, and get at camp. That's awesome. I think you did the right way, but go ahead. So the thing with Eric is he's saying, all right, he takes a loss. He's get, he has three more fights from March to July. So like his, <laughs> it's almost like a rabid, um, you're almost rabid for fighting and including uh, a sport fight against Nathan Gaylord, which is a split decision win for yourself, which was a very close fight. Do you remember yeah, going you know, in? There was a lot of fanfare. There was a lot of people watching you at that yeah, event. Like, yeah. hey, they had it some was, questions. Uh, it was it was super fun uh, to fight a guy. That guy had a lot of hype. You know, he trained at, uh, with um, – Hardcore gym in uh, Athens. Yeah, yeah. You know, they had some UFC guys that came out of there. Todd Duffy. Um, yeah, Brian Bowles and Forrest Griffin was out of the Brian Bowles, yeah. So they had champions coming out of that gym. So they were a real MMA gym. And I was just going out there, you know, and uh, just fighting, you know. Uh, it was a super fun fight, you know. The uh, I had all the, the physical attributes, you know. Um, we were pretty, you know, much the same stature, but – I think I was a little bit quicker, a little bit stronger, a little bit more powerful. Um, and, uh, man, but, you know, I got cracked pretty good in that fight, I remember. But I think the momentum kind of changed. Like, he hit me with a solid, good shot. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys – I'm sure, Chris, you know, like, you get hit with a solid shot and it's like, you know, that white flash uh, goes in front of your face. <laughs> But, uh, he, man, he knew he cracked me, but, man, my, you know, I just kind of, you know, my face never changed, and I kept marching forward, so I think it kind of broke him uh, mm -hmm. mentally because he just, after that, he, he just wasn't the same. And, you know, that's him hitting me, you know. <laughs> yeah, but when you, hit, when you hit somebody with your best shot and it doesn't hurt him, you're like, uh-oh, I mean, that does it deflate you, man. It's like, ah, what can I do to hurt this guy? That does deflate you. So your good poker face probably helped out a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So, um. Had a so you had, a, you had Wal Harris in your corner. Um, you did. Yes, yes, yeah. We were both training at the at the same gym at the time, and um, yeah, I think Walt was in my corner. And but man, I didn't. I knew that my coach was not competent, so he would tell me to do stuff, and I was like, man, it's probably not the right thing to do. That's <laughs> you know, probably not what I should be doing at this moment. Uh, so like the counter indicator. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started listening to, to his corner and, and what they were saying. So, you know, wow. as, as an amateur, you really don't know how to play the game. Like when your coach says, like, you know, your left hand isn't there, is there. He's not telling you to throw it now. You know, put it in your back pocket, save it, set it up, come back to it later. But a lot of the guys I fought as an amateur, I would just listen to their coach because whatever their coach said to, said to do, they would do right after he said it. So I was like, okay, he's going to do this. He's going to do that. So I was just like, <laughs> sit back, be patient, and wait for him to do it, you know? That's funny. So there was a revolving group of nicknames for Eric. I, I've written all of them down. For this fight, he was E-Money. Just, just you know, for the <laughs> e -money. people at home. It's very important. Very e important. E-Money. Yeah, man, I, yeah I've, uh, I've, had, I've had a few. 
Um, <laughs> we got to go. Frank, oh, they're coming. Frank, Frankenstein. Uh, Frankenstein's coming. I got that one, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. About hey, that I got a few, man. question it's for you. Like, you, you were, you've been talking a little bit about, you know, coaching and wanting to get coaching. You did mention uh, – did you mention Santino DeFranco? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's uh, – well, Talk I, a little bit about him because I think he would be – he would be a step up from the original guys you're talking about. I mean, he's a – He's a pretty competent guy, unless you got some other stories. <laughs> I like no, he, is, he is. He is super competent. And, you know, he has a way of making it easy and simplifying everything. You know, sometimes I feel like people will show like a technique or, you know, if you're in this situation, do this. And it's almost like, like a keto. Yeah, the shit works right now because we're drilling it and he's letting me do it. But then when you go do it <laughs> in real life, it doesn't work, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, but, um Man, everything that he shows man, is applicable to MMA. And, you know, it's it's not just jujitsu. It's not just striking. It's not this. It's not just that. It is MMA. You know, we work a lot off the wall, like strikes off the wall, strike to set up, take down, spakes, this, that, and the third. And uh, man, I just think, you know, a few more camps uh, with these guys that, you know, I'm really going to be in that top ten, top five. Uh, we go. You know, echelon of middleweights. Yeah, I'm glad Santino was one of those guys that uh, very, very underrated fighter, and probably at this point uh, making a better name for himself as a coach with guys like you. So I'm glad I'm glad I got that question. I'm gonna give it back to Mike. (laughs) He's 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 won championships with Cejudo. You know, uh, he's in the Korean Zombies corner. Um, Man, the guy just. he gets it. He understands MMA and not just jujitsu or just striking. You know, it's a uh, MMA is everything, and it's not just this, that, or the third. It's it's all those things put into one pot. All right. So in July, you have a, a close split decision against a guy that's seven and zero as an amateur. You're six and one at that time, and less than a month later, you fight for Strikeheart Productions, where you're chasing a title fight against Jimmy Rice. And in your way was Chase Horton, and it's at 185. Do you recall that? Yeah, yeah. You know, he was he was another big guy. Um, you know, I'm not gonna say. Well, yeah, no, nah, man, the guy was you know juicing. You know, so um, <laughs> he always put pictures and videos and stuff up of him deadlifting 600 pounds and this, that, and the third, and you know, and like. Three or four months, the guy went from like 185 pounds to 220. And, you know, that's so he's that's, natural. Uh, so he's that's natural. Hard. <laughs> that's hard to do, man. So that's a lot of uh, protein. Same you know? as prayers, yeah. as vitamins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Hulk Hogan. Well, that, you know, um, I, I'd like to kind of qualify it like this. If there's a person in your life that just happens to have a party with the UFC on it, oh my gosh, Eric Anders is fighting. So he can tell his friends. I think that's Man, the guy. And, 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 you know, it. Uh, he still does. You know, I'll be walking around and be like, oh, do you, you know, you know, Chase Horn, you know, he said he beat you as an amateur. And, I, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, well, you know, what's Chase doing now? <laughs> you know, because I'm fighting in the UFC, you know, yeah. uh, and winning at that, by the way. You know, yeah. so, um, you know, it is what it is. You know, he's he's a good guy, but, you know, there there's – you know, I didn't lose very much as an amateur. Um, no. So, but, you know, some of the guys that I beat or felt like they beat me or whatever, 
You know, there, there's another guy named um, – Oh, he's coming. Yeah, there, I can't remember his name. Andre Andre something. Andre Hall. Um, Andre Hall, yeah, yeah. He's – you know, these guys, you know, um, never really achieved and, and beat me at a time where you know, I didn't – You were vulnerable. You, know, you were still yeah. new, man. You were still learning. You hadn't been doing this sport forever. Yeah, you know, and um, it's all good. It is what it is. Um you know, these were all learning experiences for me and, and things that were like that I felt were necessary to go through because there's a lot of people who don't experience losses in amateur to take that first loss as a pro because they didn't have to battle through any adversity. They didn't have to, you know, uh, go through anything to, you know, just cakewalks and, and tomato cans for them. So, you know, um, I bring that up all the time. I, I, bring, I talk about like as a coach, I always tell people, they're not allowed to go pro unless you've been knocked down, until you've been cut, until you've been on your back. I mean, you have to do these things. You have to fight tough as an amateur because you don't want to find that out when you're a pro. Like you're saying, a lot of guys are eight nose of amateur. I'm like, you didn't learn shit, man. What are you doing? Yeah. You have to be tested as an amateur. And if you don't do that, you're not a good coach. And you're not, I mean, unless this guy's just unbelievably good and walking through everybody, but then you got to keep finding tougher competition because you're hundred percent right. You, you did all that tough stuff as an amateur, and you should you should have losses as an amateur, in my opinion. If not, you're not fighting tough. And uh, man, you know Chase, he submitted me, he armbarred me um, in a fight that I was winning, you know. And so you know that one really was a big uh, blow to my to, to my pride and my ego. You know, I was like, damn, you know, I got caught slipping. And uh, I bet you learned yeah, from it though. I did. I did. I don't. Think I haven't been submitted since, so I guess he oh, can wow. hang that on his. I, I think he can hang that on his hat as well. Like he's the only person to ever submit me, and you know, like was this your first fight at eighty five? Well, we never fought to eighty five. We never got there because they announced it. You know, he, was, he wasn't. He wasn't going to make. He wasn't going to make the way. And to tell you the truth, I was not going to make it either. But he called them first <laughs> and said that he wasn't going to make it. <laughs> Okay. We really just fought at 200. Okay. But then I, I still didn't make I waited in at like 204. <laughs> and uh, I was like, dude, that's dumb. Why Why not? Why not? Why, why do that? You know, I can understand like 95 or, or 90 yeah. or whatever, but two, man, whatever, dude. I'm, I'm in here. So, well, yeah. You started chasing belts after that, too, when you fought for the Fit Factory Fighting Championship and the 205 pound belt against uh, Taylor Yeager. Was that your first title fight on the amateur circuit? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, I'm not even sure what weight we fought at. Um, I think I think that he fought for a while and then retired and, like, he was coming back or getting back into it or, or whatnot. Um, but, man, I always felt like whenever <laughs> I traveled out of state to go fight somebody from there, I was like, man, they're trying to set me up to lose. So it's imperative that I go out there and, and, uh, you know, finish the fight. And um, I think I finished uh, Jaeger in uh, the first round, I believe. Dude, he took or, a beating. Or, or, yeah. He yeah. took a beating. But, but the thing is, like, he ate it. It wasn't like he took a couple punches and got out. Man, dude, he he took a beating. He really <laughs> did. Like, he yeah. – I mean, it's, I know it's an amateur fight. When you bring it in an Eric Anders, you have to assume the person across from you is probably getting paid. Because no one's taking that fight for free. And <laughs> well, man, to, to be honest, man, you know, um, 
finding amateur fights was not really ever an issue. So, yeah, you're probably right. They probably were signing a little, you know, something under the table to to come fight. But yeah, at the same too. time, because that's they would always tell like, oh, former Alabama football player or whatever. Um, but maybe they told them that I can't fight or didn't know how to fight and they wouldn't be lying because I really didn't have any experience for real. Um, a lot of like fights and cage time, but not a lot of training. And that's, I think that's backwards. You know, yeah. I don't think that's how it's supposed to go. You know, it's a Midwest mindset. Yeah, it's a Midwest mindset that he's talking about. A lot of guys here in the Midwest, they got 10, 12 amateur bouts before they actually start learning how to fight. You, you learn yeah. to fight in the cage, man. That's not how it's supposed to be, but it's how it is. Yeah, man. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, but, you know, back then I was just young and dumb. You know, I was just like, all right, cool, whatever. I fight, you know, fight whoever, whenever, you know, whatever. And I do believe that is the mentality that you need to have, but – you need to have somebody who's answering the phone for you. You know, don't call it. You're not supposed to talk to the fighter. The fighter. I feel like the fighter is the last person who's supposed to find out that he's fighting. I didn't have a manager at the time or whatever, but the coach is supposed to be like, he's supposed to be the filter. Because I'm not saying no to anybody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's the one who's supposed to be like, it's true. Uh, nah, Eric yeah. just fought last week. You know, he's not fighting again till whenever. But it won't Eric. be two weeks from now. You know? The worst thing you can have is a brave manager. I mean, you, you, it's easy to be brave as a manager. I mean, <laughs> yeah. as as a, as a as a coach or a brave coach too. As a fighter, you need to think you can beat every anybody anytime anywhere and never turn out a fight. I remember once my my guy told me like a month later he's like, yeah, we had a, a boxing match. Uh, they called to see if we fight Andre Ward. I was like, why do we say no? They're like, they offered us five grand. I was like, I want to beat him. They're like, no, you wouldn't. If I was like, who's Andre Ward? Olympic gold medalist. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I was like, yeah. yeah I would have said they're like, yeah, they're, they're like, that's why we didn't offer it to you, Chris, because I know you would have said yes. And I would have. But, like, you don't even offer it to me. That's what you need. You need a, a not a brave manager. Brave managers get people killed and hurt. And you didn't have that, man. You had you doing it. Of course you're going to say yes. You're a fighter, man. What the hell, dude? What, uh, how long have you been fighting this point? Is this still, like, in the first year or two? Or, or what's going on? A year and a half, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you haven't made the switch yet. You ain't made the switch yet. No, 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 I'm still, you know, and, you know, man, you know, fight promotions would hit me up on Facebook. Hey, do you want to fight? And then I'll be like, man, I'm fighting two weeks before that. Uh, yeah, sure. Hell yeah, I'll do it. Dude, I, I'd, have like, <laughs> dude, I'd have like three months of fights lined up. You oh, know, my with like God. Week, with like a week in between or two weeks in between. If I had, you know, 24 amateur fights inside of four years, you know. Ooh. It's a lot. That's, okay, that's but, a lot but but most of them were like in clusters, though. Like I'm looking at yeah, your record. Yeah. It's not like like it, it seems like you could tell like when he you know got a, a rib injury or a hand injury because there'd be like three months or four months. Yeah, it'd be three four months off, and then you know another rabid pace. You know, like I, I was telling Chris, like we do 50 Fight Club members here. I'm like Eric Anders qualifies. I go and and he's got legit amateur fights. Like he's got amateur fights that man, I'm jealous of. I wish I had. Yeah, um, but but again, you know, that that's a lot. You know, I don't know what twenty four divided by four is, but that's a lot of fights a, lot. a year. You know, <laughs> I think it's like ten, ten, yeah, ten a year. Depends on your math. Fighting every month. You yeah. know. So you had a about one of your canceled bouts was against Danny uh, Daniel Jolly in San Antonio, Texas. I figured this was going to be like your homecoming fight, you know, because you're from Texas. Obviously, you're, you know, kind of made a name for yourself in Alabama. And 
the bout got canceled. And rather than go, oh, my God, what am I going to do? You jump into a, a title fight at Strike Hard 22 against a guy that was on the Dana White Contender Series two times, and that's Justin Sumter. Yeah, so, uh, that fight that fight is funny because uh, you know we uh, I think that may have been like my first or second fight at middleweight, and uh, like probably like my first successful because the first few times I tried middleweight I, I didn't make it because I was trying to. I was, the first time I sat in the sauna for like six hours straight, and uh, man, <laughs> Dude, you're like you're alive. Yeah, at the at the end, you know, I was like, man, I, I think I'm done with this. <laughs> My coach was like, nah, just a little bit longer. And I was like, uh, 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 John was his name. I like John. I'm I'm getting out of this sauna, whether it's through you or around you. And I I meant that from the bottom of my heart. Like I was gonna fight him right there in the in the sauna. He just stepped aside and let me out. And I was like, man, thank God, because I probably only got one punch in me right now. But it would I would put everything into it. <laughs> and, uh, but that Justin Sumter fight, um, you know, I, I, you know, successfully cut down, made weight and, uh, we were doing our medicals and I heard him say, like, have you had any surgeries? And I don't think I had any, any surgery at the time. And, um, I heard him say, yeah, he had broke his jaw before. So I was like, Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> cool. Cool. And, uh, so when we got in the fight, uh, we got on the ground. Uh, I got it on his back, and I had you know, I had my arm like around his chin, not around his neck. And yeah, I just squeezed as hard as I could, and uh, he tapped. And I, but I knew like I don't know what kind of break he had in his jaw. I broken my jaw, and it really it's not what I would think a break is. You know, I, when I think it's broke, like his jaw had to be wired shut or whatever. And uh, man, he tapped. You know, but man, that's another guy. He'd always get online talking about he wanted to fight me again and this, that, and the third, and then. He got knocked out twice on the uh, contender series. You know what, though? But he made it there twice. Like, he was under radar twice. Like, that's a legit fight. Like, and, I'm pretty and, sure he fought the Bellator. You know, he for sure did. He for sure did. Yeah. But, you know, those – when I look at your record, you didn't avoid the hard fights as an amateur. Like, you're not getting paid for those. Like, you're talking sponsorships and stuff like that, but it pales in comparison what you could have made for that fight as pro. Because that, that's a headline fight. Like, that's end of the card. It's in Alabama, you know, somewhere where you've got a name. And you you've, you never shied away from a hard fight. Like, it's – Well, I never looked anybody up neither. I never looked anybody up neither. You know, I didn't uh, know how good or bad somebody was. I never You never watched the fights? No, nah, the promoter would just be like, hey, I got this guy, Justin Sumner. He's, you know – seven and two or whatever, you know, um, or without, I don't remember what his record was, but it was five and one. Yeah. But you know, I was just like, all right, cool. Would they tell, would you have people who are honest with you? Like this guy's pretty good. This guy's terrible. Would they be honest with you or they just tell you whatever had to get you in there? You know, the, the strike hard people I I felt like uh, have always been, uh, legitimate and, you know, for sure. They're great. um, Looked out for me, but, you know, I fought a lot, you know, outside, you know, all around the Southeast, you know. And so I just assume that whenever somebody from Tennessee or Mississippi or Louisiana or Georgia called me to go fight somebody, that I was going to fight probably their best guy or, you know, one yeah. of their top guys. So I just had it in my mind that, 
you know, this guy's going to be tough. He's going to be skilled. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. And, uh, man, I, I just remember, you know, I said I had 24 fights in, in four years. Man, like seven or eight of those months, I didn't fight at all because I had tore my Achilles. So, you know, that's really oh. 24 fights in like three and a half years. Three, you know? yeah. Yeah, that's so I was fighting in quite a pace. Yeah, you also fought for V3 uh, for the 205-pound title against uh, Paul Rainey. And a lot of people were watching that fight because there was a lot of questions. People, when you got like an athlete like Eric, people are just, they've always got questions. And they were like, well, it's about to get answered against, uh, you know, against Paul Rainey. And, um, you know, you came out with your hand raised in that bout as well. Yeah, I think he, um, man, I, I just felt like he was kind of like, you know, I, I like, again, I never watched any film or whatever. Whenever the fight started, I just felt like he was going to try and bully me and, and whatever. And, you know, he tried to uh, throw me and, um, you know, he wasn't successful with the throw and, you know, long story short, you know, after the first round, he didn't get off the stool for the second round and said that he, like, wow. tore his knee or, or did this or did that. But I think he was done. More, so than any, more so than his knee, his ego, his ego was uh, was hurt. Because I think that he thought that he yeah, had yeah, tore his ego. You know, so <laughs> it, uh, uh, he had lost in, like, five years up until this point. He was, like, the number – like, Eric, you mentioned Tennessee. He was the number one – ranked fighter in Tennessee. Like, he was the man. Eric comes in, you know. Didn't last around. That was one of my more satisfying wins because, you know, you get a guy who doesn't want to get off the stool, you know. Not only did you beat him physically, but, man, you, you broke beat him, him mentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You broke his spirit, so. Well, you, know, you weren't breathing me. hard either. Like, your, your cardio – You've always paced yourself really well. A lot of times that's something that people got to learn. And that's something you've had from the beginning. You never rushed. You just kind of waited. Well, yeah, you know, I just always felt like a lot of amateur fights are like 30 seconds in a cloud of dust and not always the best guy wins, you know, because, you know, there's a, there's adrenaline, there's, there's, you know, hormones and stuff flowing through your body and your mind that you probably never felt before uh, for a lot of these guys. But for me <laughs> – you know, I've, I've competed pretty high at a high level. You know, even though I wasn't fighting, you know, I was still probably um, more conditioned and performing on a big stage than, than a yeah. lot of the guys. So I just felt like, you know, we got three rounds, you know, there's this fights, you know, a lot of my fights ended in the first round, but, you know, we don't need, we don't need to rush things. You know, it's, uh, I feel like I had more of a professional's pace uh, as an amateur than a lot of the guys. And I would catch a lot of guys coming in or, you know, just kind of slowly creep my way to, you know, get their back against the cage, take them down and, and beat them up from there. But, uh, yeah, I think the patience was one of my biggest uh, attributes, especially early on. Did Omar, Omar Johnson was in your corner quite a bit around this period as well. Um, like how involved was he like in your training regimen? Um, man, that, that's another guy who played college football. Um, he played at Sanford uh, down there in Birmingham. And uh, I'm pretty sure that he, you know, he boxed as a child, you know, when he was younger and, you know, was training with uh, Chris Conley at Spartan. So he was much better than uh, than I was on feet. So, you know, he was always a good, you know, body. And, you know, he's always had an eye. You know, I think that, you know, those athletes uh, who play at the college level, 
they learn to watch film. So you know, when I, I just refused to do it because I didn't want to like see this guy. And, you know, I think I did try to watch film, but then I would see this dude just, you know, the guy I was fighting beat the shit out of somebody. But then I would be like, man, that guy sucks. And that's not me that he did that too. So this is irrelevant. Uh, you just get me mad. Watch this guy just beat up other guys. Because, you know, the first few times I'm like, man, this guy's really good. And, you know, I'm you yeah. know, having this conversation with myself in, the, in my head. And then we get out there and the guy's terrified to fight. You know, yeah. so I'm just like, man, man, forget that. I'm not watching film. I'm not watching this guy beat up some bozo. Um, I'm just going to go out there and, and uh, you know, thug it out and, and see how it goes, you know. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of success with that uh, early on. <laughs> You know, I've seen a lot of guys right now we've talked to, and they, they kind of say something. Some of them are like, I don't really watch tape. What I do is I have my coach watch the tape, and then he says, this is what we're working on. Have you kind of went to that in your career, or do you watch tape now? What do you, I mean, do you have that where people, well, other people will tell you what to do kind of? Well, now I do. We watch film together. But, man, the guys that I'm fighting are, you know, world-class guys fighting other world-class guys. Yeah. You know, it's okay. not some guys that they're trying to build a name for, you know, sure. fighting some guy fighting out of his garage, you know, at, at, <laughs> yeah. at his basement. I fought a guy who uh, literally trained in his basement by himself uh, before. And uh, I was just like, he didn't beat you, did not he? <laughs> no, I'm not <laughs> <the> first round. <laughs> so but I'm not fighting those guys anymore. So now, I know. like, the game has changed, the fighter has changed. And so is the other people that they're fighting. So I can I can watch, you know, Darren Stewart fight Maki Patoyo. Yeah. And uh but okay, you know, Maki's a world class fighter, Darren's a world class fighter. Um, let's see, you know, what mistakes each one of them made in this particular fight. And you know, I can learn from that. Okay. Um, so like when you're a promoter and you got amateur bouts on the card. Usually, like one or two good punches that a fighter takes. Usually, yeah, you know, the bout's over at that point. You run into Air, uh, to Ben Davis uh, on a 185 pound title fight. I don't think I've ever seen anybody take more power punches in one round than he did. Man, that guy. Period. Any level. Uh, Any level. Real. Yeah, that, um, you know that. That's one of those fights where, like, in the middle of the fight. Like, you know, sometimes uh, I can't really speak for any other fighter, but, like, I'll land a solid shot, and they don't go down. I'm like, okay, the next one. Okay, the next one. Okay, the next one. But, man, like, 50 punches later, I'm like, man, this dude's still standing here. <laughs> and so, man, I'm, I'm kind of, like, looking at the ref, like, man, why are you letting this dude, you know, take this beating? Like, you should have been stopped this. You know, he's not getting paid. We're not fighting. You know, it's, it's an amateur title. Like, who cares <laughs> at the end of the day? Even if he wins it, like, I hope – that he's not going to be like, I won this amateur title, you know, 50 years ago, yada, 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 you know? Um, so, you know, sometimes I look at these refs like, why, why, why are you letting this I, I, I think, go uh, on like this? I think Ben Davis has probably got a lump somewhere on his head where he can go, yeah, I, I, I got this. You know, it's he's, he's proud of it, I'm assuming. But, man, you know, that's uh, – it was like it was that funny. The funniest Tough dude, funny. man. That dude showed up to the weigh-ins with like, like he had just got off work. You know, he uh, I think he was doing some construction, so he had like you know concrete and dirt all over his pants, and you know he just <laughs> took off his boots. 
Yeah, just literally came from work, got undressed, got on the scale, and, and you know, put his clothes back on and went home or wherever, you know, to the or wherever he went. Um, but yeah, you know, there's something to be said for he's tough. You know, so, so some guys are not as skilled, and man, sometimes even in the UFC now, you'll see somebody get tired of beating up on somebody, and then the other guy comes back uh, and wins the fight. And uh, you know that that dude he wrestled. I believe at UT Chattanooga. So, you know, usually those wrestlers, they're, they're pretty tough and durable anyways. Well, I think you kind of answered the question as well. He, he had to go to a work site the next day and his buddies were there. Like you take one punch and you leave, you're years from that period. You're going to be hearing about that. You know what I mean? Like, he's, you know, he did the right thing. You know, he did the right thing. Um, man, you know, I, I ran, I ran, I ran into him like years later at the, uh, you know, at like a, a restaurant or a Chipotle or something like that. And man, he was just, you know, the coolest guy ever. You know, he like, I think it's really cool when when, when you fight somebody and then like y'all are cool afterwards. You know, like there's no animosity, there's no this, there's no hatred or whatever. Like, yeah, you beat my ass, but and he acknowledged it. He was like, "Yeah, you beat my ass, but man, I had a good time, or you know, whatever." And the oh, man, that's cool. You know, he, he's 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 not that guy that you know. Maybe if he would have won, he maybe, I mean maybe if you know if he if he would won, he'd be telling people, you know, ten years later that uh, he beat me as an amateur or whatever. But uh, super cool guy, man. Up to this point, have you had any guys in there that, like, uh, there's been some bad uh, trash talk before the fight or anything like that? Um, man, I think uh, I think there was a guy, Dakari Sanders, who I was supposed to fight. He's an amateur that uh, I got sick cutting weight and, and, you know, I had to pull out of the fight. And, uh, man, he was just talking so much shit, so much trash. Oh, he's scared. He this, he that. <laughs> And then, uh, man, we met as professional. I think it was like my third or fourth pro fight. And I, I submitted him in like 15, 20 seconds or something like that. And, uh, yeah. So I was like, man, you talked all this, talk, talking all that shit for years. Yeah. Then, but, man, <laughs> man, whenever he walked out, man, there was a trail of piss from the locker room to the cage. Like, I could tell. Like, he was shaking. I could tell that <laughs> – Man, he, he his mouth wrote a check that his ass couldn't catch. And, he knew uh, man, it too. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even have my hooks in. I just as soon as one arm got around his his neck, he tapped. And I can yeah. that's the one fight that I regret. It's my only submission as a pro, and I regret even submission. going for that. Like I, I, I wanted I wanted to beat that guy up, man. He's the only uh -huh. person I think that I've ever fought that I didn't like before I fought him. Yeah. And I just wanted to like. I wanted to hurt the guy, but he took the easy way out. So, you know, he quit. Um, so, you know, that, that, that right there is, is also satisfying. We'll let him deal with that shame for the rest of his life. It is what it is. <laughs> I mean, you got to look at yourself in a mirror, you know? I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. All right, so yeah. you, you had an amateur fight that I just can't figure the decision out. Um, you fought the axe man, Brad Taylor. Yeah, it was yeah. a draw. What, what happened in that, in that fight? Um, man, I had a tie clinch, uh, in the first round. The, the whole fight was wild, man. That fight started and stopped like four or five times. But, uh, I, I, uh, like his cup slipped out of his pants and they had to like tape around his, the outside of his pants. They had to tape his cup in place. Um, what? He threw, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
that his, his shorts ripped or something and his cup wouldn't stay in with Josh. So <laughs> this is Alabama for you, man. So uh, they, they like taped around his crotch on the outside of his pants. So they like made a pocket with tape. So, so uh, it would accentuate, it would accentuate back. his midsection. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, uh, Man, he threw he threw a kick and like dislocated. I blocked. I didn't block him. I like stepped back and dislocated my finger. So I'm looking at my I'm looking at my finger. I look at him. He stops. I stop. I look at the ref. And the ref's like, keep going. So you know, I'm like hopping around the cage trying to like pop my finger back and you know back in place. Um, but <laughs> uh, I had him in the tie clinch, and uh, and I was working his body over, and he kind of like craw crawfished out of the out of the clinch as I was throwing a knee and I need him in the face and the ref stopped it and took a point immediately. So, you know, he won the first round and, uh, which, you know, I don't think that I should have got a point taken, uh, because why, you know, it, it Chris, was maybe we could file something on this one. You know, huh? We could probably file something. I know it's, you know, years later, but years late. it don't <laughs> we'll matter. File something with Alabama no. No, no, we yeah, want but to it's, just like, it's, just, it's like when, when somebody you got their back and they turn their head and you when you're throwing a punch and you hit them in the back of the head. That's yeah, like yeah, you don't intend to throw a knee when he ducks down. That's just not on you. Yeah, and I always felt like the rule was if he moves after I into your knee, the motion. Yeah, uh, then that's on him, and that's what they tell you in the UFC now. So yeah, whatever exactly. we're, we're in Alabama, it's whatever. Uh, I, I believe <laughs> this is my first fight with uh, Chris Conley and Spartan Fitness. So I, I just felt my skill level kind of, you know, go from a fighter relying on at, on athleticism to, okay, now I'm developing skills and, Yo, and uh, actual uh, skill. Yeah, and the technique. So, you know, I feel really confident going into that fight. Um, so I lose the first round and, you know, I felt like I won the rest of the fight, but, you know, um, it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, it, it was yeah. a good fight. It was a crowd pleaser. He hit me, I hit him. We hit each other a lot. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. Did you pop your finger back in or did your corner do it? No, I popped it back in in the middle of the, you know, in the middle of the round. While trying to dodge punches and kicks and stuff, you know, I'm like kind of on my bike, you know, you know, pulling on my finger because it wouldn't go back in, man. Like my pinky was like, it, it was still straight, but it was like sitting like down here uh, by the other <laughs> knuckle. So I'm like running around trying to, you know, get it back in there. And uh, finally it went. Damn. I'd like to see that. I think that'd be uh, entertaining to watch. Your first pro fight. Um, what made you finally say now it's time? Because I mean, you're you're fighting every other weekend as an amateur, obviously. Well, um, you know, Chris really slowed things down for me. He's like, man, you're not gonna fight. You're not gonna fight. You're not gonna do what you've been doing. Okay, cool. You know, this. You know, I need someone looking out for me. You know, because if I look out for me, I'm fighting every week. You know. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like I said, there has to be somebody to save the fighter from themselves, and, and Chris was that guy. So he was kind of like the filter. Because at this point, like, you know, I'm having a successful amateur career. People are selling tickets and making money off of me. I'm not making any money um, mm. outside of sponsorships and stuff. So, of course, everybody wants me to come fight because they know that, you know, I'm probably going to knock somebody out or, you know, it's going to be like, 
you know, pretty uh, a pretty good brawl, you know. Um, so um, I forgot the question. What was the question? Yeah, I mean, when did you know it was time to turn oh, pro? Man, um, well, I was gonna go pro earlier, but because they were like, you should fight at eighty five, and I was like, hell no. Nah. And then, uh, you know, Mark, I, we went and saw Marcus Brimage fight uh, Cody Garbrandt at UFC, whatever it was. And the headliner was Daniel Cormier and uh, John Jones. And, man, when those two dudes walked out, I realized how big these 205ers really are. And this was always my goal. Like, I was like, I'm going to be there one day. Like, that's going to be me in that cage. I know I'm going to get there. Um, and I just saw, and I understand that that's like the cream of the crop, two of the best to ever do it at that weight. But – I realized like how big those guys really are. So I was like, oh, middle way to this. And uh, um, so I, I had a few more fights so that I could like perfect the weight cut, which I never really did um, until, <laughs> I, until I met my wife. And uh, so um, I fought a few more extra fights. And then I said, like, okay, I can make middle weight. The shit sucks. Like it, it sucks, but uh, I can do it. And I know I can do it. And um, so. That was uh, what took me so long. So in his pro debut, he uh, he fights a guy named Josh Raspberry. And uh, Josh has got a lot of fights up until this time. But, like, you kind of saw the difference between a 205 Eric Anders and 185 Eric Anders in your, your punching power. And you stopped him in under a minute. And it was like, man, that punch you landed that was ridiculous. Yeah. Um... Man, you know, Josh, he's one of those dudes, you know, he was an independent fighter, you know, trained himself. And he, it, it showed that it, he, he looked like he trained himself, you know, <laughs> um, exactly what you would think of a guy uh, from the middle of nowhere Alabama would look like. Training but that's, that's, that's what the beginning pro pro debut, circuit man. looks like, though. That, I mean, that's, it is that's what not it all is. me. You know, that's not all me. That's who the I called the promoter, I called Strike Hard and told them that I wanted to uh, make my pro debut. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure they sweetened the pot for, for Josh. I'm sure almost positive that he got paid more than I did uh, for that fight. He probably made more money in a loss than I made show and win. And, I got a but, question, man, though, for I, that. I didn't, I didn't care. Are, are you getting like poor? Are you getting like part of your tickets that you sell? I hope because you, I mean, you're bringing a crowd every time. But please tell me they were at least giving you part of the tickets you were selling. Yeah, yeah, I think I was okay. getting like twenty percent of the tickets I was selling. I think I okay. got like three and three, three hundred. But man, I really wasn't like I didn't care about the purse because I was making good money in sponsors, uh, especially this being a pro fight, pro debut. Everybody wants to attach themselves to somebody who's winning. You know, and I was winning. And uh, were you a big ticket yeah, seller? What's that? Were you a big ticket seller? Um, yeah, I think so. But this is the thing: like everybody knew that I was going to fight next weekend anyway, so they weren't like, you know, calling off of work to come see me because like, oh, well, you know, Eric's going to fight, you know, two weeks from now anyway, so we'll just catch the next one. But uh, man, when I when I made my pro debut, the uh, the arena that we had there was. You know, maxed out for sure. Deontay yeah. Wilder was there, like you know, they 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 pulled out all the uh, all the stops. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you yeah. feel like you've got a lot of uh, extra sponsor because you know you're, you're Alabama football tie? You think a lot of people just knew who you were from that, and that kind of helped you a lot. One hundred percent. Yeah. You know the um, 
my name kind of got me in the door to have the conversation with uh, you yeah. know, business owners and, and things like that. You know, there were a lot of other guys that, uh, you know, probably more skilled than I was, but we're really struggling in that department because who is, you know, Joe Blow, you know, but yeah, you know, a lot of and the thing about football is like, they don't know what I look like. They just know the name. It'd be like, I know. So I'd be like, Hey, this is Eric Anders, you know, former Alabama player, made the sack in the national championship game, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, oh, you know, through an email or whatever. And they would be like, oh, yeah, you know, let's go have lunch or whatever. And I'd, you know, sell a spot on my shorts. Nice, nice. You know, there, there's certain benchmarks that fighters have to have. And they knew you obviously had the hammer. You were definitely a good nail. But the one question I believe up until this point was if you had the cardio. And in your second pro fight, you went the distance, no, almost the distance. It was they stopped in the third round against Garrett James. And it was kind of a frustrating fight for yourself as well as, you know, to watch it. Yeah, you know, they um well first they just they could they, I was supposed to fight somebody and then that guy backed out. So the week of the fight, you know, they went and found uh, you know, somebody else and he took the fight, came up there, and uh yeah, man, that guy was an athlete, too. <laughs> well, he showed up. Yeah, huh? he showed up most of the time. Like, he, he can't do anything when somebody doesn't give you anything. Well, man, you know, my, I, I, of course, I wanted to go out there and knock him out because, man, we're fighting in Tuscaloosa. Like, you know, some of the guys that I play ball with are there. And, you know, who doesn't like knocking somebody out? It's a very exhilarating feeling. <laughs> and unless you do it um, – like, you'll never know that feeling. and uh, But anyways, I wanted to knock him out. But, man, we were on the feet. And early in the first round, man, he threw some kind of crazy kick. And I just felt the air go past my face. And I was like, hell no. So I, and he said he, he stopped me, too, with a, with a good punch, man. He was just athletic and unpredictable. Like, he was just doing all kinds of wild, crazy stuff. And just barely missing it. So, you know, I just uh, thought it was imperative. And, um we had so many guys fighting at the time. I had like two of my training partners in my corner because we had other guys who were, you know, um, you know, like seniority, like these guys had been there longer. They're fighting for a bigger promotion or whatever. Uh, so Chris Conlon, my head coach, uh, wasn't there. So again, you know, I'm, I'm back to instinct. And so um, now just, he really didn't have any takedown defense and didn't have very much of a ground game. I think I had three takedowns and, uh, you know, once I got him down, you know, I kept him down each round. So, you know, thank God for that. Well, you know, up until this point, um, like you're, you're on a roll. Obviously, you're kind of going where you, where, where you want to in terms of career trajectory. And you get a call October 21st, 2016, and you make your Bellator debut against Brian White. Like, as somebody in your position, was this – I mean, was there – was there nervousness on your end? I mean, this is there's eyes on you at this point. Well, like yeah. eyes that you want to see you. And, and and this is the biggest payday I've had. Had you know, I think they paid me like a thousand and a thousand, a thousand to show up, a thousand to win. So you know, I felt like I was rich, you know. And um, <laughs> but I, but I, I thought that you know I would have the opportunity to go out there, win a fight, impressively, and maybe get a Bellator contract because. At the time, man, I was just trying to make money. So I really didn't care, Bellator, UFC, whatever. Um, 
long story short, I go out there and knock the guy out in like 24 seconds. And uh, which is, you know, it was like six fastest knockout in uh, middleweight history belt tour or something like that. So I thought, man, it's, it's really hard to, to be any more impressive than that. And, uh, you know, I'm walking around the arena afterwards. I see Scott Coker. I'm like, hey, you know, Mr. Coker, appreciate you having the opportunity, giving me the opportunity to come fight for you guys. And he was like, um, what's your name? I was like, man. Ah, I was like, okay. You know, I think I'm going to have to fight a few more times before I fight for, for, for I get a contract. And, uh, man, really the only reason why I got that fight is because, um, you know, when Bellator, you know, travels around to whatever city, they let the local matchmakers and promoters match the undercard. Yeah. And uh, so the, the guys from B3 matched the undercard, and uh, they knew me and Omar Johnson would be good ticket sellers. So they um, – you know, of course, brought us in and, uh, you know, they threw us on the undercard and, you know, um, that's how we got the fight. You, were you a last-minute replacement? I don't know. Uh-uh. Um, no? They called okay. me as soon as, as soon as they knew that they were going to Memphis. They were like, you know, I had the full camp. You know, I was able to train and you know, do everything. You know what? You were a last-minute replacement for your LFA bout um, when you fought John Kirk uh, March 10, 2017. He was a replacement. I was supposed to fight a guy named uh, the Trevor Giles. Nah, man. Alessio De Chiricio? No, uh, Larry Crow. Uh, he trains with uh, Derek Lewis in Houston. I was supposed to fight him, but wow. the week before the fight or the week of the fight, his house burnt down. So you know, of course, he had to, you know, deal with his duties as a man and uh, a husband and father and stuff. So. Okay, and uh, but they found the uh, Kurt, and uh, you know, so I was, and that that was a big fight for me because I was in San Antonio. I've never I had never fought back home in Texas, um, and they uh, I'm from San Antonio, so you know um, that fight was important for me to have happen. I didn't care who they had to find. I was like, man, you guys find somebody, I'll fight them. I don't care who. I'll move up a weight class, you know, 85 is as low as I could go, but anywhere between 85 and 205, I would even fight heavyweight if the opponent was right. And, uh, but they ended up fighting uh, Justin Kirk. So he had 33 fights. Like, he had a lot of experience. I mean, it wasn't like a, a lopsided record in terms of losses or just an overwhelming record in terms of in terms of wins. But when you look at yourself and you look at, like, where he's at, experience does matter. But a lot of people, those records, a lot of times those records don't show your amateur fights, which I think really helped at this point, like all that experience you had. Yeah, that guy had a lot of fights. Um, and, I, I, you know, of course, I knew that going in. Um, but, one, I knew that he was taking his fight on a week's notice, so I know he didn't have a full camp. Um, he was a little bit older. I think he was in his uh, middle or late 30s. Um, and he hadn't fought in a while. So, you know, I really didn't care who I fought, but I like this matchup. Um, now, fighting it at San Antonio, how many people from, like, high school were hitting you up for tickets? Oh, yeah. No, they, they were uh, – you know, you know, but you, you know how it goes, man. You know, uh, I even do it too. You know, uh, if I can get somewhere – if I can get in somewhere free, I'm going to exercise every opportunity and, <laughs> you know, feasible way to do that. But, you know, I, I'm – 
not in control of the tickets and they were sold through Ticketmaster. So, you know, I just sent them out. But, man, you know, uh, the people that I went to high school with, man, we're still very close to this day. Uh, you know, quite a few of them. So, man, uh, my closest friends really showed up and uh, to support. And uh, man, that just meant more than anything else. Uh, you know, so my, my, my high school coaches came. Uh, you know, it was, it was a great day. Yeah. Um, you also no, wait, had the up. eyes. You also had the eyes looking at you that you had desired as well, like with the Scott Coker and Bellator. Yeah, the LFA is no, a great I, launching pad. Well, and they were on TV too. Like, uh, you know, you didn't have to have some crazy sports package to watch uh, LFA fights. They were on Access TV, which is on like basic cable, you know. So, you know, it wasn't. Uh, but also, I also knew that LFA had the most uh, fighters in the UFC from any other promotion at the time. So I was like, cool, this is a great uh, stepping stone um, uh, for me to get while I'm trying to go. Now, yeah. we're about to jump into like the more, you know, now we're into the pros and stuff like that. But at some point in the interview, you kind of mentioned, hey, that's Alabama for you. Before we get into your, your serious stuff, I want you to try to remember one real ghetto story. Something crazy that happened in one of those amateur shows that you just got greasy tell amateur about. stories. Yeah, man, um, man, that that first guy, that Kevin Sidwell dude that I fought. You know, um, on this particular night, I didn't fight. I wasn't fighting. My teammates were there, and so you know, I'm in the back. You know, uh, goofing around. Uh, you know, it's not about me. So you know, I'm watching them. You know. Uh, you know, it's kind of like politicking with the promoter and, you know, just, uh, you know, just hanging out, having a good time. But, man, that Kevin Tidwell dude was there, and he was getting his hands wrapped, and his wife was standing over him. She, You know, she was all, you know, doing this shit with her neck and fucking, you know, ooh, 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 I can't even do it. And uh, she's like, I don't know why you fight. Dude, man, she was just hounding his ass. She's like, I don't know why you fight. I don't know why you want to keep doing this. You just keep getting your ass beaten. Yeah, dude, I'm talking about the whole time. The whole time he was getting his hands wrapped. She was just sitting there cussing his ass out. And finally, I was just like, lady, he's about to go fight. Do you want? Do you think he want to hear this shit before he, go, he goes? You don't think this is already running through his mind every time that he fucking been knocked out? You know, every time that he been hit hard, every, every fight that he didn't win, you don't think he's thinking about this shit right now? You know, take your ass on out. Get out of here, man. Go shoot. And uh, man, I kicked his wife out of the out of the locker. Room. <laughs> <laughs> I just the man, I just couldn't believe I'm sitting there watching. You and this, you and this, like you this. And I was man, I couldn't take it anymore. I was like, man, you know, get you know, get your shit and go. And you know, he should. I would, you know, he should probably divorce you. You know, I I would leave you. I don't care how many kids we have together or whatever. But man, goddamn. I've been to go fight already. I already know I'm not good. This is no secret to me. You know, I just maybe I just like it. Maybe I like doing it. You know, fuck, leave him alone. Get out of here. I think you were also concerned. Yeah, I think you were also concerned that maybe your fight was about to leave uh, as well. You know, she's trying to get no, him no, into the no, car. This, this, this is this is later. I didn't fight this. I oh, already fought him. So, I, like, I, I wasn't even fighting that night. I was just hanging out in the locker room with the rest of my teammates who just so happened to be in the same room. And it has him and his wife, and she, man, she was just going off. And I'm talking about everybody who was warming up in past, everybody stopped, everybody like this, just watching. And I was like, hey, man, you know what? Hit the bricks, man. Get out of here, man. 
Well, you know, I don't know if he got the W that night in the locker room. He did not. And what about the locker room? I think you helped him at least get a draw by throwing her out of there. Maybe, maybe. But it was it was it was definitely a 10-8 round for sure. He was just taking it, dude. He wasn't saying anything. Like and then like you know, you're hearing like pads, you know, crack and people breathing hard and warming up and people and just you know, has this braiding it just got quieter and quieter and quieter. And so it makes her sound louder and louder and louder. And man, you can just see him, you know, he's a white guy, but man, by the end of this, he looked like a cook lobster. Man. He was just red, just all over. Like you could just see the steam coming out of his ears, but he just, um, he really did really have the cojones to, you know, oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah. To, you know, he was going to have to go home with everything. Yeah. Shit. You know, tell me this, you know, after I lose or whatever, you know, but you know, I'm doing this for me. I'm not even paying any bills. Like, this, just leave me alone. So, so I, I, I had to step in and save my dog. My man. So, yeah, and your eighth <laughs> fight, this is kind of like your coming out party, in my opinion. In your eighth fight, you actually headlined a car, headlined the LFA 14 in Houston against Brendan Allen. So, Brendan Allen, at this point, 7-1. and one, He's got a super high submission rate. You're 7-0 and oh with a high knockout rate. It's almost like the classic – Grappler versus striker fight going into this. What were your thoughts? Um, man, he, he was definitely the, the most skilled opponent that I had fought uh, up to this day. And he had even beaten one of my teammates as an amateur, um, choked him out. And uh, so, man, I, I already knew who Brandon Allen was. And um, he trains down there in uh, Biloxi, or he did at the time. So he's not even that far from me. And, um, yeah, I knew who he was, but, you know, like I said, I always just saw him as, uh, you know, the guy in the way of where I'm trying to go. So, um, and I truly, from the bottom of my heart, felt that I was going to knock him out. Um, I even told him in, a, in an interview, um, there was this guy, I can't remember his, what, anyway, somebody who had us on the phone at, uh, at the same time, I told him I was going to knock him out in three minutes or less. <laughs> And I almost did it, too. You know, I dropped him pretty early in the fight. But, man, you know, I think he was 21, 22 at the time. Um, and uh, super resilient, man. There were several times in the fight where I thought the fight was going to be over. But, you know, he found a way to, to get back in the fight. Um, had me in a pretty nice guillotine there, I think, in the fourth round. That I, You know, had it been in the first round, maybe I don't get out of that um, – out of that guillotine, but yeah, um, we fought five hard rounds, and um, you know, really had nothing but respect for the guy. To and the first three rounds, man, you know, he took it, but uh, you know, I think that he won the last two rounds. Then, well, the scorecards had you win 49 46. I think, uh, you had some, I, 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 I heard the scorecards. Yeah, I, I don't – I mean, that may have been what they said, but, man, I was the guy in the fight, and I don't think yeah. – you know, I think that I lost the last two rounds, if I remember correctly. And um, I just remember, you know, after the fight, you know, going and sitting down next to him, tired as, you know, as you can be, and um, just having a conversation with him. And, uh, yeah, super cool guy. Was it was it the cardio? What what, what was the issue with uh, the last two I, rounds? I, I the cardio well? I no, nah, man, I just thought that the very next punch was going to be the last punch. So, man, I was, like, swinging for the fences. 
for, for 15 minutes. And we wrestled a lot. I took him down, uh, took him down a few times. So, you know, um, yeah. And then the last two rounds, it just, you know, his youth kicked in, you know, they last said he was 21 at the time. So was that a lot of pressure for you? <clears throat> um, a lot of pressure. No, you know, um, I never really felt any pressure. I still don't feel a whole lot of pressure when I go fight, you know, um, you know, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a competition. You know, there's going to be a winner. There's going to be a loser uh, and a loser. You know, I just got to go out there and make sure that I'm the winner, you know. So, um, not really a whole lot of pressure, I would say, in the, in the sense that, like, I feel like I have to go out here and win. It's just, like, I knew I was going to win, you know. Um, even the fights that I've lost, I'm like, man, there's, there's only one fight in my entire pro career that, like, I did not – think that I was going to win uh, before the fight even started. And um, that wasn't it. You know, uh, I knew that I was going to beat, uh, I knew that I was going to beat uh, Brandon Allen. Uh, like I said, I truly thought that I was going to knock him out in three minutes or less. So, so in between fights, I mean, we're talking about like a, a pace that is, I mean, crazy in regards to the number of times you're fighting. Do you drink a lot in between fights? Do you have a lot of downtime, or are you right back in the gym? Um, I used to go, you know, depending how the fight went, you know, a lot of my fights ended in, you know, two minutes or less. So, you know, I would uh, show back up to the gym on Monday and, and, and train just like, you know, I had never fought. But for that Brandon Allen fight, I think I took a few days off. I made myself take a week off because, man, I'm pretty sure I had broken my hand, but – you know, maybe like a stress fracture, like my hand was pretty swollen. It hurt. Like I, they had to cut the gloves off, like pretty much immediately after the fight because, man, my hand was just throbbing. And, uh, yeah, um, so, you know, it swelled up pretty good. So that's, so that's say, the only fight. So you say that you, you took some time off because you think you may have broke your hand. You had to have your glove cut off. And 29 days later, you're making your UFC debut. Well, man. <laughs> It, it was going to be sooner than that because they offered me Trevin Giles. That's where it was. That's where my notes are. Okay. A, a week or two before that. But, man, my hand was still swollen. And, you know, I was like, nah, I can't. I can't. Oh, if I, I'm not, I can't. Throw. So I said no to the UFC the first time. And they called like a week later or two weeks later. And it was like, hey, uh, how feel it's all in 10 days. And I just felt like if I say no again, then that's it. And they're not gonna call a third time so i was like yeah. all right cool or they're gonna get you killed you know they're gonna line you up a shark on your first you know, your ufc debut well man you know trevin giles is a hell of a fighter man i think he's only lost twice and you know he's uh he's on a roll you know so you know i don't think that's an easy fighter especially yeah. back then Definitely there's no fight there's no fight we're in the ufc yeah. there's not a single one that's easy so your yeah. ufc um that's a lot of pressure the UFC puts on people, though, because, you know, you're, you're not the first fighter. And, you know, you go back to Chris's era and stuff, you hear the exact same story. It's like, hey, my brother won. I turned him down one time, but then that second time, it's like I felt like I, I almost like my back's against him. I can't turn them down again. Yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't – well, obviously, I didn't expect it for them to call back so soon. But I, I knew that I would have a – I felt pretty confident that I'd have a second chance because one, I had a lot of knockouts. I think out of the eight fights that I had, 
five of them were knockouts or six of them were knockouts at the time or TKOs. So I, I know that they like that. And uh, the fact that I played and won a championship at Alabama, I knew that, you know, that'd be a good storyline. You know, um, I was, I knew that I was a marketable fighter and that's, you know, yeah, essentially what the UFC is all about. If you got a story they can market you, then, you know, they're going to, you got a little bit more slack, I feel like. So I knew that I would get a second shot, but I did not feel like I would get a third. So I, <laughs> I, was, well, I was already 30, you know, I was already 30 years old, I think 29, 30. So, you know, at the end, you know, just like the NFL, they start looking at your age and be like, oh, man, we're not messing with this guy anymore. So I, I just needed to get my foot in the door. And then, you know, how long I fight was would be, you know, dictated by, you know, the fights that I won and how I fought. Your entry into the UFC was against, well, I, obviously you did them a favor by coming in um, against uh, Rafael Natal, but it was also his 17th UFC appearance. Wow. That's, that's yeah, a I, lot. I, I didn't care, dude. I was like, yeah, <laughs> we finally made it, you know. And, uh, man, you know, I watched film on that guy, you know. Um, uh, he had knocked some people out. You know, everybody kept talking about his uh, Henzo Gracie black, he was a Henzo Gracie black belt. You know, all this, that, and the third. And I was like, man, listen, y'all can say what you want to say about that black belt, but, man, we started throwing these hands, you know, that black going to turn to white real quick, you know. And, uh, but, man, you know, something It's really difficult for me to explain, but, you know, walking out to that fight, you know, I felt like, you know, I, man, I, I was like, well, no, I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, I'm not really nervous. Should I be nervous? So I was kind of getting nervous that I wasn't nervous. You know, I was like, I didn't feel anything, you know. Um, you know, sometimes when you go fight, like your adrenaline is pumping, so your legs feel heavy, you know, your stomach kind of hurts a little bit sometimes. It's like, for me, it's like, okay, I know I'm ready to fight. I know I'm finna, you know, like, go fight because I know how my body is supposed to feel. Like, even when I go play football, you know, play, walk out for football games, like, you know, you still have, like, physical uh, reactions and feel just a little bit off, but you know, you competed so much, you know, like, you know, that you feel like this, like you're going to be faster, you're going to be stronger, you're, you're like, you're all your attributes are going to increase, you know, it's adrenaline or whatever. But man, I didn't feel anything. And as soon as my feet touched the canvas, um, I knew 100% like I was going to win this fight, I was going to knock him out. Um, I did not know the fight was going to go how it did, but. Man, as soon as my – I don't know what uh, what it was, but as soon as my feet touched the canvas, I think it's like, okay, man, look, I'm not going to slip. You know, I think that may have been what it was. I don't know. It's just like the texture of the UFC mat is different than, like, the, the tarps <laughs> that you fight on as, as an amateur. It's like, oh, shit, you know, I'm actually – my feet are actually going to have grip. I'm not going to be slipping and sliding all over here. So I just I, – I just remember as soon as my feet touched the mat, I was like, man, I'm going to go out there. And I'm looking to get a performance bonus. Like I knew from the bottom of my heart, I was like, man, I'm going to go out there and smoke this guy. Yeah, you made a statement. You made a statement. And uh, Natal never fought again. That was his last bout. Ooh, yeah, that yeah. Was but, but, you know, you know, he was a little bit older. So I think that, uh, you know, he realized, like, you know, they got these young guys coming in. And, you know, I think every athlete goes through that for the most part. You know, uh, they have their prime. They have their heyday. And then. You know, you fight one fight too long, you know, and uh, they bring in like a young boy. And, you know, I was 30 at the time, but, um, 
my body felt like I was in my early 20s because when I was in my early 20s, my body always felt like shit because football is so hard on your body, lifting all those weights, getting in all those collisions that when I stopped doing all those things, my body kind of rejuvenated itself. And I, like, I feel better at 34 than I did at 24, uh, if that makes sense physically. So oh, yeah. um, um, I still, uh, even though 30 kind of sounds old for an athlete, for me, um, I felt your peak. great, yes. At your peak, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, we got a couple more. I don't, I don't know if you you got time constraints, sir. I mean, I really wanted to nah, concentrate. Yeah. I could we knock out a couple more? Would you mind? Yeah, yeah, sure, let's do it. All right, cool. So you're supposed to fight John Phillips. He pulls out. So you're kind of dealing with the same stuff that you. Oh, well, I, I think he had visa issues. Uh, you know, that, that's another guy who was never really skilled for, I was like, kind of, you know, my mouth was watering for that fight because, you know, that guy couldn't defend a takedown to save his life. Um, <laughs> and he was a lefty. So I was like, man, that's perfect. I'm just going to football tackle him and blast double. Uh, but then, you know, he couldn't find a, uh, he couldn't get a visa to come over to America. So they had to find a, another replacement. So you, they bring in Marcus Perez who, I mean, and both these guys, Eric and Marcus, are both 9-0. and Marcus t- takes it on last-minute notice. Man, that guy could take a punch. Ooh. And, man, that whole, that whole fight week was kind of crazy because, um, you know, that's when California started, like, checking people's weight before the fight and whatever. So I already know, like, I'm a heavier middleweight, and I water low too. So, you know, I'm even heavier, you know, drinking all of that water. So, man, they're calling, 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 calling. I'm just dodging them, like, you know, like they like it's a bill collector. I was like, man, forget that. Bill collector. I don't, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want no bullshit, you know. I already know they're going to come with some crazy stuff. And, uh, you know, they shoot me a message like, hey, if you don't answer this phone uh, and we can't check your weight, then uh, we're not going to let you fight. And then you're in violation of your UFC contract and they're going to sue you. And this, I don't even know if that shit is true, but I was just like, all right, whatever. So I get on the scale. I'm like 212, 215 or whatever on Monday. And then flying out on Tuesday to, uh, you know, to the to California, to Fresno. And, uh, man, as soon as I get off the phone, Jason House, my manager, calls me. And he'll never call me unless it's like uh, like business or serious. There's some, you know, <laughs> some something. So, man, he called me. He was like, hey, I just got the phone with the California Athletic Commission. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you're going to, you know, they, you're going to fight. Trevin Giles fought that night, too. He's like, you're going to fight Trevin Giles' opponent. And Trevin Giles is going to fight your opponent because they're closer in weight. And you guys are going to meet at a catch weight. I think it was uh, Neto Beto, or I can't remember who he fought. And I was like, no, the hell I'm not. I'm fighting this guy. I'm fighting Marcus Perez, you know, and I'm going to make weight, um, you know. So they I, I were trying to play guys. matchmaker. Yes, the commission tried to yeah. have me fight. California. And I was like, hell no, nah, I'm not doing that. I trained for this guy, you know. I'm, you know, I'm, I was waterloading, you know. They, I talked to this dude at 5 o'clock at night. It's like literally the heaviest time uh, for me. And um, – so now I get on the phone with the commission and I, t- I tell them what stuff and what, you know, um, you know, I don't have any status or nothing like that. It's only my second UFC fight, but you know, I pretty much told them that I was going to fight Marcus Perez and that was that. 
and they, you know, said okay, but you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't fight at middleweight anymore in California. And I was like, well, man, you know, I don't ever plan on coming back to this, you know. Yeah, piss on you. So were, were you in California? Were you in California when they were trying to chase you down, or did they sign the Alabama? Man, I got off the plane as I landed in Fresno, and Jason called me, and then, and then the commission called me after I got off the phone with Jason. So I'm walking through the airport. I don't even have my bags yet. And I'm, you know, I'm cussing and motherfucking. And, you know, if you're just walking through the airport and you saw me that day, you're probably like, man, you know. <laughs> Get some mental health nice issues. Guy. I bet that got yeah. the UFC yeah. fighter. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, well, you probably, if it's California, you probably look like the, the standard homeless person. You know, yeah. walking down the street, just, you know, yelling. Yeah. Yeah. Cussing my, into face, my, face, my face is sunken in. You know, I got on sweats and. No, uh, you know, I think it's a little know. different if someone like me, I'm walking through the airport going crazy. People are like, oh, but this dude is like fit and angry. And <laughs> they like, touch they're just hiding. Like, Whoa, go, be careful. I just, I just thought that was crazy. I was like, man, you're here. It's just your job is just to make sure that like all the dots, all the I's are dotted and the, the T's are crossed, man. You're not here to, to play matchmaker or. And by the way, you pissed me off like this and not helping my weight cut. So y'all, like y'all, y'all are sabotaging me at this point. And uh, you know, I I just gave them, you know a piece of my mind, and you know they saw it my way at the end of the day. But then they were like, you know, you can't fight at two hundred five. You have to fight at two hundred five if you're fighting California again. I was like, man, I'm not gonna fight in California ever again because <laughs> you, you guys, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you said it. You saw Cormier, you saw Jones, and you're a middleweight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, man, literally, man, y'all crazy, man. You know these guys are six foot, and that's really the reason why I fight at middleweight is the stature thing. Like I'm six, I'm only six one, man. Those top guys, it's a uh, like anyway, man. They're six four, six five, and man, they're walking around at two thirty, two forty. You know, yeah. Oldman St. Prude told me he's got up to two sixty before. I'm like, man, man the hell, I'm not fighting, man. Nah, yeah, I kick rocks, man. I'm not, you know. Cause they're walking around at that, and they're probably 230, 235 on fight night. So I'm like, man, yeah, I'm so straight on that. One of the things at that in, in that fight that's surprising is, like, for instance, Chris, have you ever had somebody come over to your house and without asking, just kind of open up your refrigerator, just kind of see what's in there and kind of rummage through it? So at the end of this bout, it's his second fight in the UFC. He calls out Lyota Machida. <laughs> <laughs> to fight him in Brazil. Oh, I love it. I had so to love you. you don't have a lot of, you know, clout in the UFC, but, you know, your actions and your, in your mouth is certainly kind of endearing to the organization. I mean, you know, uh, shoot or shoot. You know, I know that they were looking for an opponent for somebody for him to headline. Um, you know, I think he was in like that 12 to 15. You know, he was ranked 12 to 15, uh, I think. And, um, you know, I hadn't lost the fight, hadn't even taken like a good shot, you know, so I, I, you know, I thought that I could beat any and everybody. So I was like, and he had been knocked out in his last three fights. So I was like, man, it's a perfect fight. Perfect time, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, perfect fight for me, you know, he's going to go out there and, you know, at the time he, he wasn't doing the karate thing anymore. He was trying to like box everybody for some reason, but, uh, that was you know, a hard I guess, fight. That's a hard one. I, yeah, you know, that, uh, that early in my career, you know, the the movement, um, I think. I think you and won really, it, though. 
the how that's and that's the thing like how the judges see the score or score the fight I think is is really an eye opening uh, fight for me because you know I was landing power shots and although he landed more like he was kicking me with his big toe so I remember thinking during the fight. I was like, all right, that's not a significant strike. That didn't hurt. That didn't flinch. You know, I didn't flinch. I didn't, you know, surely they're not scoring that as a, as like, he's not scoring off of that. But yes, he was. I think he only won like the, the first or the first or and fourth, I think, or the first and the fifth. Um, but I think that I clearly won three out of the five. I can't remember which. Um, so I know the round, I, I split him open and, yeah. I dropped it a few times. Um, so let, let, let's frame this properly for the people at home. So in essence, Eric comes in, calls out a guy to fight him in his hometown, who's in essence a legend at this in, in this sport of mixed martial arts. You drop a split decision in his hometown. So you, I, I think the crowd may have played effect, you know, maybe come into effect in this in the decision process. But you you won that fight. Like I, I've yeah. scored it. I've watched it three times. Like that's well, that's this, a hell this, of a, this, a run in the this, UFC for your first three fights, too, I might add. This is the thing for me, you know, if you look at his demeanor uh, after the fights, before they were and you look at mine, like his head's down, he's sad, like he thinks he lost, I think I won. Then they read the scorecards, and it's like we switch, you know. My head goes down, and he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I won, you know. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I lost kind of thing, so – you know, um, well, your corner then, advice too. Your corner was telling you that you were winning the fight up until that time. Well, man, if you look at him after the fight and look at me after the fight, um, I think it's pretty. He's apparent. telling you the truth. Uh, who, who, you, who, you know, probably now, won the fight. With the UFC at this point, you know, you're uh, Dana, Joe Silva. Did any of them tell you something similar to, you know, keep your head up or, you know, the judges were wrong? Because Dana doesn't like you know, bad judges' decisions either. Um, no, nah, I think my role with the UFC was pretty insignificant at the time. So they just, uh, you know, I, I know Dana White has, like, uh, voiced his opinion about wrong scorecards before. But, uh, you know, um, he wasn't. Nobody was very vocal about this. There were a lot of like media um, uh, organizations or whatever um, that came out all over the place, and like all of them thought that I won the fight. You know, the only people on earth who thinks that Machida won the fight are those three judges. Um, two of them, really, really just two of them, anyways. I, I think the issue is <clears throat> is that it wasn't like a travesty. It wasn't a robbery, and. I mean, it was a close fight, but it wasn't like a, wow, what were they looking at? And it was because Mishida was walking backwards the entire fight, which made him incredibly difficult, you know, to touch for Eric. So you're pursuing, pursuing, pursuing against a guy that really doesn't want to interact with you. And yeah. I, like, if you had to do something different, I would see probably try to make him move forward because he never did Ooh. at any point in that fight. I did a lot of following uh, in that fight. And I think now um, after training, you know, for however long I've been training, like I know how to cut people off now. Mm. And uh, so I wouldn't have to follow him and I'd be able to set him up and actually be able to draw him out um, versus him trying to draw me out. So you oh, trained with Steven Thompson for that fight. 
Yeah, I, I went. How was to, your experience uh, with him? Um, well, I had worked with him before, um, just through a mutual friend who's going up there, and I was like, you know, Stephen Thompson's a younger, more explosive, better uh, athlete than Machida, and uh, yeah, you know, any chance you get to work with a guy like that, and uh, you know, especially seeing like there's not a lot of guys who do that. Um, that karate or are successful with karate, um, especially at the UFC level. So, uh, man, Wonder Boy is a, a super talented guy. I don't think anybody has command of range and distance uh, in the UFC like he does, other than Adesanya. I think Adesanya does a good job of controlling the range and distance, but it's because he's always the taller, longer fighter. Hmm. Um, but, man, Stephen Thompson can literally kick you from any distance. Um, I remember one time we were sparring and man, uh, we were like literally nose to nose, like in the pocket. And uh, he took like, just like uh, three inches back and like his leg came over. Uh, <laughs> thank God I had a head. Gear. I was like, Oh my God, how, you know, this is how dexterous his hips are and, and the speed mm. and the ability that, that guy has. It's wild. Hmm. Yeah. yeah now so, let me ask you a quick question here. It, at this point, obviously, you got a lot of fights, a lot of guys, you know, with different sets of experience. But Machida is, you know, probably the first Hall of Famer you're cracking here. Did 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 you notice that in the fight? Is it something that you said, like, you know, all right, I can hang? Or or was it something special that he did? did can you give him credit, or, or were you feeling all right? How was that? How was the experience I mean, of fighting Machida? I mean, you know, that guy's a, a former former. Uh, Light heavyweight champ, you know, former world champ. So I knew that he would be more savvy, you know, uh, probably has some tricks up his sleeve. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not like I was overwhelmed or, you know, uh, anything like that. It's not like, you know, he never hurt me in the fight. I hurt him several mm -hmm. times. Um, so, man, it was just a good experience. You know, I wish I could have came out there with the win. More so because, you know, half my money is dependent on winning uh, or losing the fight. So, the you know, I don't, I don't like that uh, I only got half my money. And uh, But at the same time, man, you know what it is, what it is. You know, I've lost I've lost a couple split decisions in foreign countries. And if you lose a split decision there, I mean, it's kind of, I think, well known that you probably didn't lose, you know what I mean? So it doesn't help you, like you said, it doesn't help your paycheck, but I think the real fighters still, if you get a split decision in a foreign place, you find the foreign guy, you probably won. 100%. So you're, you're, the pace of your fights are, in regards to the quantity of them, it's it's a hellacious pace. Like, you've got a lot. So you knock out Tim, uh, Tim Williams – um, in a third round, which is a fantastic fight. You were a heavy favorite of that. And you make the announcement that, man, I got to take some time off. I'm going to chill out for a minute. So, Chris, what that usually means, what it translates to, is less than a month later, he fights up a weight class against Thiago <laughs> Santos. But, dude, I was, uh, you know, that was kind of a crazy situation because, um, man, I was just sitting in my house uh, – on a Sunday, just on the bed, scrolling through social media, through Instagram, and all of a sudden, a, 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 a message pops up from Mick Maynard. 
I'm like, oh shit, okay, you know the you know the matchmaker, um, hit me up, man. Let's see what he got to say. And it's just like, hey, uh, would you mind fighting uh, Thiago Santos at uh, you know in six days in uh, in, in Sao Paulo, Brazil? And man, my only response was, you know, what's the money look like? Because I'm not fighting him for what y'all are paying me now. Hell no, nah, yep. no way. Yep. You know. And then he went, he went, uh, man, he, he kind of ghosted me. He didn't reply. And I was like, well, you know, that's that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> man, what, you know, Jason House, my manager, the only reason why he, he was trying to hit him up, but he couldn't get a hold of him because he was on a plane from, uh, from Russia. So I was like, uh, they just fought in Russia, um, that week or whatever. So I was just like, shit, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said that, you know, maybe because, you know. No, you like said the right thing. thing. You yeah. Said the right thing. But, but, but then, you know, I'm having this conversation with myself. I'm like, nah. Because it's a risk for me. Like, you know, I'm uh, I'm not in the best shape. I'm not in fighting shape. I'm in shape, but not fighting shape. There's a big difference. And, man, you know, the Brazilian fans are like the most passionate and, uh, Ruthless fans there are, so now I'm going into like enemy territory. So I was just like, nah, 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 you did the right thing, you did the right thing. And um, then Jason hits me up. He's like, hey, are you, would you are you for real trying to do that? And I was like, hey, dude, if the money's right, then yeah, for sure, I'll fuck, you know, whatever. And uh, so, long story short, man, they doubled my money, got a new contract, and uh, I was on a plane the next day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love That's it. not an easy fight to take last minute, but you also got to look you know at what? it. I, I, I really thought I was going to knock him out because I remember watching him fight David Branch. And David Branch just, you know, he looked like he just barely clipped him and, and dropped him. So I was like, man, surely I hit harder than David Branch. But what I didn't take into account was that fight was at middleweight. And I'm sure that, you know, he was putting his body through a lot to make it middleweight. So I think um, – you're a little less durable at a lighter weight class. At least he was. And but man, he was he was pretty durable at the, at two oh five. Yeah. So your your next bout's Elias Theodoro. You lose a split decision. It's, I mean, we've kind of talked about it on this podcast before. When uh, Faraz Ahabi comes up with a game plan, it's guaranteed pretty good results. But man, it's I, I think him even getting his hand raised in that bout, I, his stock tends not to rise too high because it's yeah, just yeah. random both time. And uh, yeah, you know, that, that was another fight where I was, you know, um, I was like, dude, he's not doing any damage. Like, yeah, he's touching and hit me, but um, it's frustrating for me. It's that's not fighting. That's not winning a fight. And, uh, but you know, he won the fight and you know, it is what it is, you know, walking yeah. through the stands and sitting with, my family after the fight, you know, even the Canadian fans were like, we don't know how he won that fight, how the judge saw that for him. And, you, know, was just you, know, you know, Eric, unfortunately, uh, in my opinion, the, the person who's doing the most damage is winning a fight, but you never know what these judges are looking for. I mean, sometimes you could do that and you're going to win a split decision. Sometimes you're going to lose. It's like, how are you supposed to know what those three people are looking for? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, most of the time, it's the guy who's coming forward and putting on the pressure in a close fight's win. Absolutely. And I remember in these bare knuckle ones we just had, there was two fights where I thought the guy who won because he's putting forward the pressure lost. It's like, 
you never know what these judges are looking for. How are you supposed to fight based on that? I wish they would all do like those fights in Kansas. It's open scoring. So you, after each round, you know what the score is. That's, that makes I sense think so to me. Too. I mean, yeah. that'd be like going to a football game and you're like, uh, are, what, what's this? It's the fourth quarter. Are we up? I think we're up by yeah, three man. and the game's over. No, we lost by two. Damn, I didn't know. I mean, you know, after each round, I love the Kansas open scoring, man. I wish everybody would go to that. Yeah, and, and the good thing about that is if you're later in the car and you're watching the fights, you you, see you know how, how it's going. Yeah, so I, they can I'm know it if the guy fight. coming forward is is getting a win or <laughs> if the guy who's counterpunching win. Then you can adjust. I mean, why would they not let you do that? You need to be able to adjust the fight. I agree. And not to mention, you know, across boxing, MMA. Now we you know, decades, decades. When's the last time you actually saw a judge? have to answer for how we actually judge the fight. That's Never. Crazy. Like, how did, you know, let's go through your card. How did you see this round that way? What, what are you doing? The two other guys, they don't. They are actually protected by the commission, and you can't even, you don't even have access to them. Yeah, I mean, well, boxing, boxing, I understand because there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of corruption in boxing. And, and know, elite bird. Yeah, they get draws so that they can sell a rematch and, you know. I know build the guy up and things like that. So, but it's not like that in MMA. Like guys aren't taking dives or you know. All right, so you change camps and you move to Colorado for camp. You train with Muay Thai specialist Mark uh, Montoya. Yep. Yeah, that um, loved it up there. Love those guys. Um, I think I kind of screwed myself because I'd go for two weeks and come home for a week or go for a week, come home for two weeks. I was doing a lot of, you know, back and forth. I should have just stayed and, uh, you know, I'll see y'all when I see y'all kind of thing. Um, but man, that, that's the one fight that I was talking about earlier where I just woke up that morning, man. I just, I just, I don't know, dude, I just would not feel myself. Uh, I don't know. Like, you know, I can't put a finger on it, what the issue was, but man, I was just did not feel right uh, in between my ears um, for that fight. And I, I knew it was going to be a long night uh, before so the fight started. We're talking about uh, Khalil Roundtree. And, yep. um, you know, you're coming from a Muay Thai camp. You're fighting a guy that did his training camp in, in Thailand. And it seemed you were real frustrated. Like, you just couldn't figure out. Like, you got stuck in between. It just, um, you know, Eric Anders did not show up that night. And not to take anything away from uh, Khalil Roundtree, you know, he won, you know, a uh, very decisive decision. But um, I'm a much better fighter than uh, I showed in that uh, particular fight. And I just a little uh, burnout? Was there a little burnout at that point? I don't know. I, uh, it's hard for me to remember back then. I don't remember that being uh, – uh, me thinking about that too much. It was just uh, – I don't know, dude. Sometimes you just wake up on the wrong side of the bed and you don't feel like fighting that day. You know, and uh, that was one of the – that was that day. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I, uh, I couldn't figure that out. I'm like, um, hey, it is what it is, you know. It is what it is. Hey, Eric, we really appreciate this, man, like uh, finding out about all your past and exactly what got you to where you are right now. You're killing it right now. We look forward to seeing you up in the top 10, 15. Wait, I got years. one thing. I got God one dang thing. It, Mike. I, got one, I apologize. All right, so I'm like a psycho <laughs> when I watch people's films. Like, I really am. 
So certain people, like, uh, they have certain habits to kind of wish themselves luck. Like, they just kind of, you know. Do you keep a piece of gum in your mouthpiece? Dude, I cannot have cotton mouth, dude. I, I hate it. I can't stand I knew it. it. That's all I think about when my mouth gets dry. It's like, man, I don't fuck. So I always uh, keep a piece of gum between my teeth and my mouthpiece, and then in between rounds, I'll scrape it out of there, chew it, uh, you know. Wow. I knew, I knew it. And no. I think I'm like, wait, you did an interview, and I'm like, either somebody gave him a stick of gum or he pulled it out of his mouthpiece. So I'm like, I'm watching it. I'm watching it. I'm like, man, ain't no one giving somebody a stick of gum like right after <laughs> a fight. So I figured yeah. you had to have it in your mouthpiece. <laughs> Man, you gotta keep that, that 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 mouth minty fresh, especially you know <laughs> on top of dudes beating a man. You know you don't want to. You know, uh, so Joe Rogan's interviewed you. You want to you want to have that good breath. Oh, yeah, smelling breath. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, good. I figured. I, I knew I caught something. Cool, Chris. Go ahead, no, man. But, I I, I, uh, I said, man. I just want to thank you for uh, giving us your time, and can't wait to watch you uh, bang it out here again soon. Go ahead, man. Thank you very much. Thanks, thank you guys, for having me. Appreciate it, brother.